Today's scripture is from the book of Daniel, chapter 6, verses 16 to 23. Then the king gave the command, and Daniel was brought and thrown into the den of the lions. The king said to Daniel, May your God, whom you faithfully serve, deliver you. A stone was brought and laid on the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet and with the signet of of his lords, so that nothing might be changed concerning Daniel. Then the king was went to his palace and sent the night and spent the night fasting. No food was brought to him, and slept and slept fled from him. Then at break of day the king got up and hurried to the den of lions. When he came near the den where Daniel was, he cried out anxiously to Daniel, O Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God whom you faithfully serve been able to deliver you from the lions? Then Daniel said to the king, O king, live forever. My God sent his angel and shut the lion's mouth so that they would not hurt me, because I was found blameless before him. And also before you, O king, I have done no wrong. Then the king was exceedingly glad and commanded that Daniel be taken out of the den. So Daniel was taken up out of the den, and no kind of harm was found on him, because he had trusted in his God. This is the word of the God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Well, good morning. Oh, it is good to be here this morning, and uh, it's good to be with all of you. Amen? Amen. Uh, over the past couple of weeks, we've been in this sermon series, Childlike Faith. And as we kicked off this sermon series, we started with a story about Noah and a big boat. And we continued on with these stories that are taught to us as children, or maybe we pass down uh, to our children. Maybe it's in their children's Bibles, or maybe it's something that they learned in Sunday school. But Noah and a big boat. And then we moved to Joshua and the walls of Jericho. And last week, we heard about David defeating the mighty Goliath. And today we continue in that story, the story of us as the people uh, of followers of God and uh, the history of the Israelites. And today we hear the story from Daniel in the lion's den. So open your Bibles to Daniel. We'll start at chapter one, but I want to invite you to join me into a time of prayer. Uh, Holy and gracious God, we give you thanks a day that uh, we are just here. Asking and praying and seeking to be in your presence. And God, help us to acknowledge that wherever we might be, that you are there with us. And so God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts together be pleasing and acceptable in your sight. Because, O Lord, you are our rock and our redeemer. And together, all of God's people said, Amen. Amen. One of my earliest memories from childhood was my fifth birthday. It was my most favorite birthday since. Um, It was my most favorite birthday um, up to that point in my childhood. And it's because of the presents that I've received. You know, a kid really worries about the presents that they're going to get. And I want to tell you, I got two presents that really stuck out with me. And they remembered it uh, up until this day. And the first present was a package of eight-inch dinosaur figurines. That was an amazing present from my great-grandparents, okay? You know, uh, I could tell you everything about dinosaurs. 
was when I was five years old. What their name was, what they looked like. Did they have feathers? Were they herbivores or were they carnivores? What were the uh, things called dinosaurs? And I could tell you each and every dinosaur figurine what its name was. And so my great-grandparents, they loved me, right? Because I was their great-grandchild. And so they bought me this package of eight-inch figurine dinosaurs. But they also got me another present, too. It was the hottest film that was released in 1995 on VHS, okay? VHS. Does anybody know what a VHS is? What about a VCR? Well, you kind of need to know, right? It was the hottest film that was released that year, which was... Jurassic Park, okay? And which, in case you don't know, Jurassic Park's rating is PG-13. Anything but you should show to a five-year-old, okay? Listen, listen, five years old. But the movie has dinosaurs, right? And so they thought, Jeffrey loves dinosaurs, and we need to get him some dinosaur stuff for his birthday. Let's get him Jurassic Park, because it was the hottest movie that came out that year. And so what does a five-year-old want to do on their birthday? They want to unwrap all of their presents, right? They want to open all of their toys, and they probably even break in the same day. But then after all of the toys are unwrapped and all of the toys have been played with, what comes next? Well, they watch the film, right? They watch the movie that they just got because their great-grandparents loved them. And so my grandma had put it into the VCR. We pressed, pressed play, and unknowingly we began to watch Jurassic Park. The first 30 minutes of the movie goes by. It's fine, right? We learn how dinosaurs were recreated from DNA that was fossilized in tree sap and drawn from a mosquito, right? And then the dinosaurs were recreated. But after those 30 minutes, I began to cover my eyes. Five years old, right? And then my mom said, let's pause it. I need to take Jeffrey to bed. Really? You're going to put me to bed after watching that T-Rex devour somebody? Sorry, kids. You can watch Jurassic Park, but uh, maybe when you get 13. But my eyes were covered. I was on my way to bed. I didn't want to see it anymore. And so I started tossing back and forth all night. And I had envisioned these dinosaurs that were going to come into my room and they were going to get me. Not going to happen for real, but they were going to get me. I saw clips of the video replaying again and again in my head. And then my aunt started walking down the hallway, which really, really creeped me out, right? <laughs> The floor was a little creaky, and I thought it was a dinosaur outside of my bedroom. And she opened the door, even more creepy, okay? She opened the door, and then she looked in to see if I was still asleep. It was about midnight. And then she closes the door and walks back down the hall and yells to the rest of my family in the living room, He's still not asleep! (sighs) 4 a.m. comes around that night. I look over to another gift that I had got on my five-year-old birthday, which was a Power Rangers alarm clock. Any Power Rangers fans in the room? Come on, those online, let us know. Looked over to my Power Rangers alarm clock. It was red. It was Jason, in case you are a fan. And it started reading 4 o'clock in the morning. And finally, I just stopped. I was so tired, but I couldn't fall asleep because I was scared. I couldn't think of anything else. And then I remembered what my Sunday school kindergarten teacher said, Miss Sheffield, just pray about it. So I remember, just pray about it. 
I prayed for God to protect me and to comfort me no matter what the rest of the night would bring. Pray about it. Just pray about it. And thinking back that uh, Veggie Tale song, which came out nearly a decade after my fifth birthday, God is bigger than the boogeyman would have worked too. And it might come to mind. Do you know it? God is bigger than the boogeyman. You're lying in your bed. You're feeling kind of sleepy. You couldn't close your eyes because the room was getting creepy. Were those eyeballs in the closet? Was it Godzilla in the hall? Was it something big and hairy casting shadows on your wall? God is bigger than the boogeyman. He's bigger than Godzilla and the monsters on TV. God is bigger than the boogeyman and he's watching out for you and for me. That's good news. Amen. In that time of prayer, I shifted my focus. I was no matter, I was no longer concerned on the things that were in my head or in front of me, but I shifted my focus to be on God. The fact that God was bigger than anything, whatever problems, whatever situations, whatever nightmares that I might face, even the T-Rexes. And that brought about great peace and comfort and relief in a time of anxiety and stress when I was five. Much like the movie Jurassic Park, the story of Daniel, the full story of Daniel, is anything but suitable for children. We often offer a sanitized version of Daniel in this story to our children because we don't want them to know about envy and jealousy and all of that stuff when they're five, right? But they got to learn eventually. Daniel is a story of envy and jealousy, and the full story is also about lions and tigers and bears. Actually, it's just about lions, but we'll get there in a moment. It's a story about God's power, God's presence, the prayers that Daniel offers, and also it's about persistence. The story is full of devotion and trust and obedience and the presence and promises of God throughout it all. The story of Daniel begins in 605 B.C. when Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon had besieged Jerusalem and took the captives of Jerusalem and the Israelites over to Babylon. And from Daniel 1, we hear of King Nebuchadnezzar's command to bring some of the young Israelite boys or men into the royal family uh, in, in order to serve them. And so we come to understand that Daniel was in the royal courts of King Nebuchadnezzar, starting out with. But Daniel had served three kings and three administrations in his tenure of being a royal dream interpreter. He, he served not only King Nebuchadnezzar, but he also served King Belshazzar, and then he served King Darius, the Persian king. Think about that for a moment. In our current day, when administrations come into office, right, usually if you're appointed under that administration, you leave with that office, right? But, but Daniel serves three administrations, Nebuchadnezzar, Belshazzar, and King Darius. He was steady, and he was steadfast. Under three kings. Yet as Daniel survived all three kings and all three administrations, his power and his authority continued to increase. Daniel was faithful and he was steady. He was a company man of sorts, all because he had wisdom and integrity. And Daniel 6.3, it says that he had an excellent spirit within him. And because of that excellent spirit... King Darius said, I'm going to appoint you to rule over all of the kingdom here. Daniel is faithful. He's steady. Not only for the kingdom, but also in his devotion to God. 
Daniel was disciplined and grounded and acted with godly wisdom because of his prayer life. It was habitual. In Daniel 6.10, we read that Daniel goes up to his upper room and he prays three times a day. Can we say that together? How many times? Amen. He centered his life three times. And three times he would go to the upper room, go out and go into that room and face Jerusalem. And he would get down on his knees and pray to God. And each time he would praise God. Three times a day, Daniel was disciplined. I don't know about you, but praying disciplined three times a day is hard. Even for one of your pastors. Life happens. My schedule gets crazy. And other than praying in the morning and at night before I go to bed... I pray a multitude throughout the day, but disciplined and intentional prayer is hard. Is it hard for you? We're in church. Come on. You got to be honest. We're in church, right? It is hard, but you have to exercise personal responsibility. You have to be disciplined. And so for Daniel, he practiced this three times a day. Prayer prepares us. Especially in times of crisis. And when we begin to pray regularly, and there are crises that are on the horizon and crises that come, we can be assured that God is there. When those crises come, when those hard and bad circumstances and situations, and when we find ourselves in those, that is not an indicator of God's absence in our lives. And we need to be reminded of God's presence over and over and over again. And that's where prayer comes in. Amen? Amen. You have to exercise personal responsibility in your prayer life. We often think that our entire life should be disciplined, right? Like we wake up at 4 o'clock in the morning. Anybody wake up at 4 o'clock in the morning? Five? Oh, we got one, four. Five, six? Yep, no, I'm just kidding. We're not, this is not a bidding war over here. But we often think that our life should be disciplined, right? We wake up at a certain time each day. We eat lunch at a certain time each day. We eat dinner at a certain time each day. We go to bed or the kids go to bed or we watch our favorite program on TV. TV. But the fact is, is that our whole life is disciplined and yet we think that our life in Christ needs to be spontaneous. We need to pray whenever. We should always be on guard. And yes, but we should also be disciplined in our prayer life. We have to exercise personal responsibility in our prayers and in our faith. And here's the thing. If you go to work, your boss is not going to make you work, right? You might get fired if you don't do the work, but your boss is not going to make you do the work. In our prayer life, we need to exercise our own responsibility in that. So how many times did Daniel pray? Three times a what? A day. Boom. You're keeping track. That's great. So Daniel went into his room. He looked towards Jerusalem. And at that time, they thought that Jerusalem was the center for God, right? Because God lived in the temple in Jerusalem. But because of the Babylonian exile and because of the uh, synagogue system that was developing at that time, they no longer believed that God was behind the curtain in the temple in Jerusalem and that God was everywhere at that time. And so Daniel, even though he believes that, yet he also believes that God is with me here. And so as he looked out from the upper room in Jerusalem, he saw the temple and he saw it and he prayed towards it, but he also acknowledged that God is with him there in that upper room. Daniel was faithful. He was steady. He had an excellent spirit within him. He served the king and the kingdoms dutifully, and he was devoted to God above it all. He was a Jew, 
living in the Babylonian Empire, which was conquered by the Persians. The reason that Daniel was hated, it was because he was different from all the rest. That was his crisis. He was part of the minority's minority as a religious follower, but he was committed and he was serious about his faith. And that distinguished him from the rest. So turn your Bibles to Daniel 6, and we find that Daniel 6, 1, that King Darius, he was pleased because he had 120 satraps throughout the entire kingdom. Satraps. Let's say that together. We'll work on that, okay? Let's try it again. Boom. We're going to get it by the end of the, the worship service. Darius had 120 satraps all throughout the kingdom. And if you think about that, that's governors. If three... He had three administrators, think about presidents, and to which Daniel was one of those administrators. And Daniel continued to be promoted higher and higher in the kingship and in the kingdom. And the current king, Darius, tried and he thought that he was going to appoint Daniel over all of the kingdom. He was going to be the highest one below the king. And so it made the other officials jealous. They sought to find a way to destroy him. Daniel finds himself in the middle of a figurative lion's den with the satraps and the other administrators. They didn't like that this outsider was coming in, but how are they going to get rid of him? He doesn't make any mistakes. He's steady. He's got high integrity. He is just so uh, good to God and he's so good to the rest of the kingdom. There's no corruption in his administration. So how are they going to get him? The only thing that they could get him on was abiding his law, abiding for his law towards God and his prayer life. So it says in Daniel 6, all the administrators of the kingdom, except for Daniel, of course, the prefects and the satraps and the counselors and the governors, they all came together and they were in agreement that King Darius should put forth this edict, this law, that anyone in the kingdom, that whoever prays to any god or any human for 30 days except for the king shall be thrown into a den of lions. Daniel, surrounded by the lions the whole time, the presidents, the satraps, the all of those in the kingdom who wanted him gone. They wanted to entrap him to get this king to enact this new law. This was the first lion's den of sorts for Daniel. Most laws are meant to be kept, right? But they knew that this law was going to be broken. It was designed to be broken, especially for Daniel. And so it was established. And as this rule was established, it was over the Medes and the Persians. And that meant that they couldn't uh, change or revoke or diminish this law. And so the people who came to King Darius said, long live the king as a way of stroking at his ego, right? Long live the king. And they manipulated him. King, we want you and we want all the people to recognize just how good you are, just how powerful you are. You are powerful than any other God. King, we want all others to recognize that. And so the law was passed and then Daniel knew this, right? And he went up to his upper room in Jerusalem that day. And how many times did he pray? How many? Three times. Three times. Daniel knew the document was signed, 610, that's where we're at in the the book of Daniel. He continued to go to his house in the upper room and pray, facing Jerusalem on his knees, just as he had done previously. 
Daniel doesn't go and open the window to show everybody that he is praying, right? He says, hey, look over here, guys. I'm praying. The windows are open. I'm praying to God. I'm blatantly ignoring this law that King Darius has put into effect. He doesn't even close the window, right? He just leaves it as it is. He's not a fanatic. He's not a coward. He just left the windows the way that they were. Daniel remained steadfast in his commitment to God's law and his devotion to God. He was refusing to compromise his integrity and he continued to pray to God facing Jerusalem. And again and again, he was reminded that God is there and God is here in the upper room with me. After that edict was passed, the conspirators saw Daniel blatantly ignoring the law, right? But he was steadfast in his commitment to the king and towards God. And the people bring Darius to the king and say, King, you've got to throw Daniel in the lion's den. He's not paying attention to you. He's praying to his God still three times a day. And so King Darius is distressed. He tries to pass it off. No, 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 not Daniel. That's my dude. All right, not Daniel. He has been faithful to me. I don't want him to go into the lion's den. But it's the law, right? King Darius tries to pass it off, but the other presidents and the satraps say, no, 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 you, you made this law. You have to follow it. It can't be changed or revoked according to the law of the Medes and the Persians. You try to change it and you're going to be out next. And so the king has to do this very hard thing to throw a friend, a colleague, a a faithful person in his administration into the lion's den. And he does it and he seals it with this rock and his own signet ring that says you can't remove this rock, this signet ring until tomorrow. And so King Darius goes back to the palace and he's up all night. He can't eat. He can't sleep. He doesn't even want entertainment, as some translations say, because he is just so overwhelmed with this anxiety and this stress about Daniel, his friend, being in the lion's den. And while Daniel is in the middle of the crisis, he's calm, right? Because God is there with him. But the king, on the other hand, he has anxiety because of his powerlessness of the situation. And so the next day, after uh, being up all night, King Darius goes to the lion's den. And he has the stone rolled back, knowing and thinking to himself that Daniel is going to be dead. But here's the thing. Daniel is not Even when we have to go through different and difficult and bad and hard circumstances, we need to acknowledge that God is in the midst of all of that with us. Amen? Even when we go through hard and bad and difficult circumstances, God is there with us. And anybody else who tries to tell you that when you become a Christian that you don't have to worry about a thing, they're just lying, friends. That is not the gospel good news. The good news of the gospel is that we will have to go through hard and difficult and bad circumstances, but to rest assured because God is with us. The real faith of God is that God is with us because the Lord does not sleep. The Lord abides with us. The Lord doesn't slumber and God is faithful to us. And when we pray, we are reminded of that again and again and again. Prayer helps to foster and develop the attributes of God in our lives. But when we forget to pray and when we don't pray, we forget about those attributes of God in our life. And we begin to focus on things that are in the world, the bad things that are happening, the societies, the people, the powers, the principalities that's always ebbing and flowing, coming and going. 
What we need to be reminded of today and every day is that God is with us. Here in this place. Not in some distant place far away. And when we pray, we get that reminder that God is here. Even in the darkest places of our lives when we feel sealed in. God is not held back by a sealed door or a stone rolled into place. God is not held back by an edict or the signet ring of a king. Those jealous officials really thought that they got Daniel, didn't they? As the king called out to his astonishment, Daniel answered, O king, live forever. Daniel said, My God sent his angels to shut the lion's mouth and to not have harmed me because I was found blameless before you and also before my God. The king, relieved to hear that Daniel was unharmed, he orders the accusers of Daniel to be thrown into the lion's den themselves, even with their wives and even with their children. And the king recognized that Daniel's God is powerful. And he writes, Daniel's God is a living God, enduring forever, whose kingdom shall never be destroyed, whose dominion has no end. This God delivers and rescues and works signs and wonders in heaven and on earth. That's our God too. Amen? Works signs and wonders in heaven and on earth and delivers and rescues us. My friends, Daniel's faith mirrored that of a child unquestionably trusting in God's presence and God's promises and God's providence. We can learn from Daniel and strive to deepen in our own faith, allowing God's love and grace and promise and presence to guide us throughout all of the challenges that we face. In our daily lives, we all encounter those figurative lion's dens. Situations that seem insurmountable when fear and doubt threaten to consume us. And even people who threaten to consume us seek to do harm to us and to others. But here's the question. How is God speaking into your life? Even as you are surrounded by lions, literal and figurative. Some of us know all too well what that feels like and what that looks like. But the story of Daniel reminds us that nothing is impossible with God, with faith like that of a child. We can cast aside all of the fears, all of the doubts, all of the anxieties, and trust and know that God's presence, God's love, God's grace will always be with us. As we face lion's dens of our own, we must remember to pray. And pray for God's presence with us so that we might acknowledge that. So what would your life be like? If you, like Daniel, practice praying three times a day. How many times? How many of us would need more prayer in our lives if we needed to practice that? What would our life be like if we shifted our focus and if we paused and if we prayed to God more and more throughout our day? What would our life be like if we shifted our focus and asking God for forgiveness and uh, grace and love to go before us, acknowledging that God is present in, with, and through our lives? What would our life be like if we began each day with prayer and at lunch prayed again and at dinner prayed again and even before we went to bed? What would it look like? I want to challenge you this week to uh, be like Daniel. I'm not going to give you a time, and please just don't do it. Hurry up consecutively, right? Amen. Amen. But intentionally, throughout your day, this next week, be intentional and be disciplined about your prayer life. And let me know how it changes you. Amen?